Welcome to The Front Line, the sales and marketing podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Front Line, sales and marketing podcast. Uh, we aim to provide entrepreneurs and enterprise leaders with the three T's, the tools, tips, and techniques that help improve sales and marketing knowledge for better results. I'm joined here today by my fellow cast members, Floris Block, marketing strategy, customer experience, and digital transformation expert, Jeremy Pierce, sales trainer, coach, and outside sales training, founder and creator of the Mastermind Sales Methodology, and myself, Avon, uh, I do marketing automation and CRM. All right, so we are joined here today with uh, Lewis Dooley, a social media marketer who uh, specializes in community management and customer acquisition for membership-based organizations. Uh, and he's here to talk to us today about customer acquisition costs and customer lifetime value. So welcome. How are you doing? Good. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me, guys. No, no pleasure. worries at all. Welcome. So I guess um, we, we'd like to kick off with uh, a couple questions. And um, so could you please help us define customer acquisition cost and customer lifetime value for our listeners? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, customer acquisition cost is, I look at it as the price you pay to ultimately establish that know, like, and trust relationship and that the, the price you pay to ultimately provoke that, um, that transaction from the customer. Um, and then we move on to lifetime value, which is obviously, I like to class it in two separate kind of categories. The first is the direct revenue that you actually generate from that customer um, through the array of transactions that they make within your business. And the second element is actually the value they bring to your business, whether that's through referrals, recommendations, or even social media posts, particularly in this current climate we're in. Um, what other value they bring to your business beyond the, the measurable revenue kind of metrics. And what time scale are we talking about then in terms of customer lifetime value? Uh, well, it's an indefinite. It's an indefinite metric, which which does make it hard to measure. You can obviously um, break it down into specific timeframes or periods, but lifetime value is is exactly what it sounds like. It's 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 lifetime. So, in in very short, customer acquisition cost is how much does it cost to actually make a person become a customer of yours, and the customer lifetime value is how much value you can extract out of that customer during the time he or she is your client. Yep. Yeah, spot on. Perfect. What is the fantastic. So what what's the cool. what is the day-to-day activities of somebody who is in charge of customer acquisition and their lifetime value? Well, it really depends on where what awareness level uh, consumer or prospect you're targeting. So if it's someone that's been within your your business's ecosystem for a long time, really what you what you're giving to them is you want to you want to keep your brand top of mind you want to make sure that they get the most out of your product if they're all service if they already own it or get them to come back if it's a service-based kind of business um so and then obviously if they're a if it's a prospect or someone who hasn't necessarily engaged with you um as of yet then it's adding more value to that prospect enough for them to Maybe they already know who you are or they do like your brand, but they might not trust you. So it's giving, it's giving them that extra value to ultimately put them over the line and provoke that, that transaction. 
Oh, funny you mentioned that um, because, uh, sorry, I just need to do this. So um, as most people would know, you record a podcast and you don't necessarily go live on the same day. So today on the day of recording, which is on the 4th of March, Vincent Adre, who is uh, another one of our uh, mutual friends, uh, he posted an article exactly on this subject and and he's basically says and i'm quoting here acquiring a new customer can cost five times more than retaining an existing customer service and after sales department are the tools to retain customer but how so he's basically uh positing that you know um extracting value of an existing customer is 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 easier than gaining new customers and then he focuses on uh service and after sales so would it be fair to to then mention that, yes, there's a lot of elements that go into, and, and again, referring to the question of uh, Jeremy, there's a lot of elements that go into, for example, the sales funnel in order to actually get a sales and marketing prospect to become a client. Once they are a client, what is the main criteria or the main factor that will make that client stay other than uh, having the right product? Well, I mean, it's that after sale, after purchase kind of service that you offer them. So if you're giving them a product and it's it's maybe something that's not particularly intuitive to understand how to use, then a, a great kind of strategy you could implement is actually providing them advertising material collateral that actually allows them to extract value out of that product. So let's say you are selling, um, I think uh, Vincent actually referred to the automotive industry in, in his post, if I'm, if I'm correct. Um, yeah. And so let's say we're talking about cars. Um, a car has, a, has a, a very vast array of features and kind of service uh, elements associated to it. So allowing your customers to actually utilize them to, the, to how they're actually intended is gonna allow them to get the most value out of that car and in turn, um, in turn, yeah, increase their their likeness or longevity for that for that product or service. There are a couple of examples that I know of um, that certain car companies you use, for example, extended warranties to uh, keep the clients involved uh, as well. So in some cases, they same company they have two brands. One offers five years, the other one offers seven years. And I think everyone knows what, <laughs> which one we're talking about. But that's one way, for example, of keeping a client in, in, in a smartphone manufacturer terminology locked in, right? Uh, yeah. Where you basically just want them to stay within your ecosystem, within your platform, if it is a, an intangible product. And you want to basically then keep them there while offering them great customer service, whether it is through the user experience or through the customer experience, but also through the after sales, which is part of customer experience, by the way. Um, there are other methods that are, for example, in, in use in the UK, for example, again, staying on the car sales uh, analogy, in which they offer a sort of like a leasing slash uh, rental uh, contract, which is basically in the UK called the PCP or personal contract plan, in which you basically finance the depreciation of the uh, car over the uh, time period of three years. Um, But once you're in, right, it becomes extremely easy to just return the car because all you have to do is hand the keys. You have an agreed value and, and they estimate based on damage or whatever. And then it's very easy to then keep you in that dealership because they can literally use the car that you just returned as a deposit for a new car. 
definitely. I've, I've, um, Tesla actually does a very similar kind of concept. Um, they effectively give you a guaranteed buyback price of the car and then provided that you buy the newest model. So they're keeping you in their ecosystem and keeping you kind of um, keep giving you value, but also upselling you and, and extracting more more value from the customer as well. Yep. There's, there's two, two brands that I've used my whole life. And that's Commonwealth Bank. Oh, I shouldn't have, probably shouldn't brand aspect, but but Commonwealth Bank and Nissan, right? And I don't know what it is, but I've never gone anywhere else for my car or my bank, and I I want to know why. Is it? Well, uh, I I used to have the same with Sony. I mean, Sony they struck genius back in the '80s when they created the uh, the uh, the Walkmans, right? But they made it even better when they created the my first Walkman. The waterproof, shockproof, kid-proof uh, Walkmans, right? And and we all ran to it. I know. I, I used to take it everywhere with me, and that kept me loyal to the brand until I started working for Samsung. And, you know, when you work for Samsung, you kind of work for Samsung. You become Samsung Knight, if you wish. <laughs> um, I, th- I think sometimes when you're building real brand loyalty, some of the things that you can uh, – like if you keep someone on and you're maximizing that lifetime value – if you keep it at the right point, that they are going to stay with you forever, and then it, it would take something to really stuff that up for them to to switch. Like look at Volkswagen and their uh, their emissions uh, dishonesty; they've lost tons and tons of loyal brand customers and wiped millions off their off their brand value instantaneously. So I'd say one of the hardest things of uh, customer, I suppose lifetime value would be one of keeping a, a minimum standard that's slightly higher than usual i think apple also does a very good job in that kind of sense they they offer one of the most kind of premier hardware as well as software um they call it the genius bar which is their you know their service and after after sale um service and that that for a lot of customers is a massive aspect because they know that they're going to be taken care of rather than just okay here's your product give us your money and then we'll see you next time when you need a new product uh, being able to being able to actually you know give them as much value as possible is is a massive element because they're already in your ecosystem you don't have to pay for that cost for, cost of acquisition um which is increasing your margin i, I, I suppose that's less about the product then isn't it so it, it, like apple in that regard what you like you know, they could be forgiven for having a crappy product because you say the service is we're looking after you. Even if that product itself breaks down, we'll replace it, we'll fix it, we'll get you the next model up. But you're dealing with us, not with the object X. It sort of eliminates. Well, sorry, go on, Flash. Yeah, I was just going to say they just got fined in the in the UK five hundred million, half a billion dollars, or half a billion euros because uh, they slowed down the phones without informing their clients. Did that curb sales? No. Right. And that's what I was about to say. Um, Even the cost. If you have this genius bar, you've got this, uh, you know, fantastic ecosystem where you think you're getting the best service and the best product and you could go go into these bars and end up spending more than you probably should be spending and they don't care. You know, these loyal customers, you don't care. They don't care if it costs more. They don't care if it Thank you for mentioning that because that basically proves the point where because they're providing the great customer service that Louis just described and we all talked about, what they're doing is they're getting you in the store. 
once you're in the store, because the, the shop layout, and, and this was a genius thing uh, from the CMO that now has left Apple, um, the genius of the, 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 the store is that you walk in, you've got all that space, you've got free Wi-Fi, it's inviting, people just want to look at the products, touch them, etc. But then you cross into the genius bar, and then you've got a period where you have to wait. Because there are so many people, etc., and, and you've got that ticket-based system, and you're waiting. So you go back into this uh, store, you're looking in, into the product area, sorry, and you're looking to products, and you're looking at accessories, and all of a sudden your phone is fixed, and you get upsell, right? You get cross-sell, upsell, etc. And again, this is exactly what we're talking about. You've increased the value that you've generated out of that one customer that walked into a store because the screen cracked or forgot a password or whatever. It's brilliant. Without necessarily inputting any any cost for that acquisition because they're already in your ecosystem. And yeah, it's, it's a great testament to ha- how much you can really maximize that, yeah. that acquisition and, and increase that lifetime value. Because the premise was offering great customer experience, which means they had to build the infrastructure to, uh, of the Genius Bars, et cetera. Everything else that comes through those sales is just an ROI on an existing promise that the brand is making to the client. Awesome. So it's pretty well fair to assume that um, uh, acquiring new customers is more laborious and more expensive than extracting maximum value from your existing customers then. Definitely. A lot of the time you you don't even necessarily know who you need to acquire, although you might have a pretty good understanding of who your audience is. You're really, you know, you're blindly shooting trying to identify who that customer is. So you're going to be wasting ad spend. But if you know these people have already purchased from you, then then the the success rate in that acquisition is, is, is far smaller. Higher, sorry. Without trying to plug any systems in or anybody's services, but the the only way to do this, to get you know uh, your customers better, is through a CRM database, correct? That's correct. So during the lifetime of the clients or the customers within your ecosystem platform brand or whatever what you maximize also the level of information that you hold on those clients we're not going to go into the whole discussion about privacy etc let's assume just for the sake of this conversation that the information is retained and not shared within the organization okay Um, so how important in your opinion louis is that database and the population of the database with information it's uh it's very important is, is the is how I would describe it. If without that kind of CRM or some sort of backend process to continually um, kind of have that touch point on the consumer and actually a medium to actually apply value to them, it, it's, it's very hard other than actually having them come into your store and every time they come in, you give them an exceptional customer service. And we all know that the, the digital world is, is, is maturing at a rate that's, ridiculous people want to be able to buy and uh, buy and do everything within with the business online now so having that infrastructure built um, in your CRM or, or in your back-end marketing is, is essential what what types of uh, existing systematic approaches do you do you take with this sort of thing uh, so in terms of in terms of that direct marketing kind of matter there's obviously SMS which is a great um, avenue to go through because 
the open rates on SMS are, are, are the highest of any direct marketing channel. Um, they do incur a higher um, unsubscribe rate because they are very intimate fashion. But if you can implement them strategically, um, you can get as many eyeballs on that on that offer as as, as possible, mm-hmm. um, as well as Messenger and and email, which I'm sure Avon's, Avon's probably a better um, point of contact for that kind of even sms Zoho has a really good system for their sms um definitely and, and there's more and more developing for sms as it becomes more of a prominent marketing avenue for people to use i guess the big thing is um you know trying to create a seamless experience across all of those channels and um you know that's called uh, integrated marketing communications where you're using a different language you're using a different um uh like the same brand voice um it's like if you've ever seen the the thing around, you know, the way you present the same information on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, it's the same information. It's just framed slightly differently. But then, you know, you might say, hey, how are you over email? Then you might say, um, uh, we missed you. Click this link on an SMS. And then they'll see a Facebook ad pop up. And all of those are linked together with an end-to-end. This is step one, two, three, four, five process. Uh, which then changes based on if they clicked that link or if they went into that store, if they bought X product. So yeah, there's certainly a, a, a lot of backend processes there which help help with maximizing customer lifetime value. And uh, and I think it's been uh, really really good having you uh, here today to to help us talk about that. So um, is there any other questions, guys? Before we wrap this up. Oh, I'm sure we can talk about it endlessly, but I think we covered the important uh, parts here. And, and I think it's, it's fair to assume that um, it is absolutely critical for business leaders and entrepreneurs to just populate as much information as they can about their clients. The more knowledge there is, the more data analysis can be done. And we're not talking AI and machine learning. I mean, simply having a look at and, and recognizing patterns in some of the data is important. And, uh, and enough but analyze that data and then do something with it because i know a lot of organizations are sitting on a ton load of data but they're not doing anything with it so i think that would be my key takeaway mm, absolutely that, that's a great way to come up with new products and things as well mm-hmm. all right so uh everybody let's uh thank lewis dooley for joining us and um sharing insights about the customer acquisition cost and lifetime value um you can get in touch with lewis on linkedin we'll put his link on the uh, blog post that goes along with this uh is there any other ways that uh, people can get in touch with you uh, head to my website, duelsdigital.com.au, um, but I'm probably most active on LinkedIn. So if you've got any, any questions or queries, just send me a message. I'm, I'm always always keen to hear what, hear what other people have to say. Thanks for Excellent. having me, guys. No Thank problems you. at all. All right. So in the next episode, we'll be having another interesting topic uh, around referral marketing. And uh, we hope you join us for that. Uh, if you have any topics you wish for us to discuss or if you have a question for one of us, um, please feel free to jump on to thefrontlinepodcast.com and uh, fill out our contact form and we'll be in touch as soon as we can. Thank you again for listening to us. You can find The Frontline Sales and Marketing on LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and on our website. And tune in next time. Thank you. Peace. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. You have been listening to The Sales and Marketing Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode 
and hope to see you again soon on the front line.